Welcome back, co-livers. Thanks for tuning in to the Co-Live Podcast, where we explore learnings, insights, and discussions with co-living operators and professionals from around the world. If you're a first-time listener on our podcast, just a quick reminder that Co-Live is the world's largest co-living association with the goal to connect, educate, and empower co-living professionals. Today's episode has been recorded during one of our monthly meetups, where we discuss a wide variety of topics related to co-living. To join our network or find out about future meetups and other events, please visit colive.org. That's C-O-L-I-V.org. So without further ado, let's hop right in to today's episode. Okay, awesome. Well, Julia, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Guy. Yes. Happy to be here today. Thank you. It's a big pleasure having you here. And uh, I'm really, really curious to know like uh, everything that you're going to share today. Um, and why don't we start with the following? I think you have a very, very interesting uh, project uh, that you are working on um, based on you know, all of the growth that you have in the last couple of years, uh, based also on your like, really strong branding that you have. So um, let's start with this. You're working on Dove Vivo, which is a co-living brand. Uh, maybe tell us a bit like where's, what is Dove Vivo? What is your model? Where is it at today as a co-living operator? Yeah. So our story starts when co-living was not called co-living, I would say. We were, we were basically mm. uh, renting apartments in Milan 10 years ago and then subletting, subletting them to students and, and, and young professionals. Yeah. Uh, but then obviously during the years, the model became more sophisticated up until uh, now, where we basically manage uh, three type of um, co-living properties. One is uh, our core DNA, which is apartments. So we do shared flats, uh, predominantly for students and young workers, but obviously hosting a population that can be really varied. The second one is um, our, I would say next uh, core, which is gonna be co-living buildings. So we have already 12, 12 properties across Europe. Europe and uh, and the last piece uh, came through an acquisition a few years ago. Uh, we also entered into what is still, as, um, I would say, comparable to co-living, but it's uh, the student housing. So we have mm. uh, only in Italy and only in secondary market. We have uh, seven uh, houses just for students. So they are really vertical, only for students, really connected to the university ecosystem, and only getting in people between eighteen and twenty-five. So mm. this is more or less. Uh, what we do. Again, born in Italy as a company, expanded fast across three countries now in Southern Europe and planning to expand in another two in the next two years. Okay. And so when you talk about like uh, co-living houses, you're referring to like buildings that have maybe on average 10 apartments in there of like four people sharing them and some common spaces on top and bottom or? Yes, correct. A typical example is, uh, I would say six, seven floors of apartments, uh, then a, a ground or a basement with uh, a gym or a shared area where people can study or, or having fun. And then ideally, whenever we find the right asset, obviously a rooftop uh, for the summit period. <laughs> yes, rooftops are important, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what would you, you know, a lot of co-living operators, especially like a lot of new ones where they come into the market, um, the, the one thing they always ask themselves, like, how are they going to position themselves? What are they going to do differently? You know, what, how would you answer that question? Like, what, what do you think, like, you're really good at, that Dove Vivo is really good at, uh, and it makes you kind of really stand out? 
I think there are two, two different things. First of all is the scale. If you look at uh, the current player on the market, we're probably one of the only, and I'm not, uh, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's not because we are cooler, but we are probably one of the only above uh, nearly 10,000 rooms by the end of the year. If you, if you exclude uh, the old uh, student housing market. And the second one is uh, the technology that is attached to, to, our, to our business, which has been completely built in-house and is allowing us to scale faster uh, across Europe. And when mm. I say technology is not only on the tenant side, but also on the landlord, internal technology, we've been able to full automate probably a lot of the operations um, to run a co-living business, which is something that uh, not all the players I think have been able to do and not all the players have been able to do internally some of them buy to tend to buy technology from other um from other companies we prefer to internalize and make everything internally because that's also where the other value of the company is that's very interesting because i also know that i mean I, I can't mention who it is but i know also like some really big players now switch back to you know like working with some of the players on the market right because it's just really hard to build your internal tech um, so it is, <laughs> yeah. it's really painful, can be really painful. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do it in the first place? Why didn't uh, you do something else? I think everything started. I was still not in the company because obviously as a need, you know, we needed to do it because we went from, uh, keep in mind, we went from, uh, uh, almost no rooms in 2010, 11 to, uh, 4,000 rooms in 2017, and then That's we ended amazing. up 2019 with 8,000 rooms. Uh, and obviously when you scale at that pace, there's no other way to, uh, to use technology. And we decided to build our own one because also we wanted to be unique. And we, we saw that also we tried several software and SaaS services in the past, but we've seen that the way we know the business is not the way our potential provider know. And that's where everything started. And then we, we started to build on that it's several layers of technologies. And we said, okay, that's, that's the way to go. It's painful. It's, it's extremely expensive because you need to have a development team and you need to buy also developers from, uh, you need to use also external teams, but yeah. that's the way to go. And that's the only way that is gonna make sure that we can really scale as we wish to scale instead of depending on a third party that needs to build the technology for you. Yeah. I do you a quick question, random one. Like, are you planning to maybe even like white label the technology, make a business out of it, or do you re rather want to keep it like we are? We, we are working on it. It's okay. something that might come in the future, Pro probably not specifically for our co living business. Uh, but given that we might enter in the multifamily uh, industry and business, obviously, our technology is completely scalable and transmittable, is a white label technology for large developers. And uh, that's a plan, to be honest. Gotcha. I mean, I, I wasn't thinking of, of talking so much technology, but I, I mean, it's really <laughs> rare. <laughs> you know, it really is, right? To have somebody that has like a full stack tech, maybe for somebody that is not in technology, right? Can you maybe explain kind of like the different verticals that technology helps with? So for example, yes. like, you know, it helps the operator, but how does it help him? How does it help the landlord? How does it help the residents? Is it the same app? Like, so you know. we, we, we have, uh, currently we have three layers of technology, okay? One is the dedicated to the tenant, uh, where, so to, to, to our co-leavers. Yeah. And basically what we, what we are aiming to do and tend to do is to let them manage everything related to their house and to the relation with us through our app. So we're basically, when it comes to check-ins, check-outs, payments, 
maintenance, whatever problem they have with the house, the first interaction point needs to be our app. And that's what we built, what we built obviously for our tenant, existing tenant. On top of that, obviously we have a layer, uh, which is our website for our prospects or people who want to rent uh, a house or a room with us. We have a full integrated booking system where people can basically choose the room, have a virtual tour and book it and pay it online. Uh, so that's on the tenant side. On the landlord side, we have a really easy and, and simple, uh, which is, is not as simple as, it's, uh, as it looks like, uh, I would say private area where basically we can share with all the landlords, all the information, uh, both when we get into a management agreement. So obviously we need to be fully transparent on how much money they're making, uh, what are they getting, uh, who are the tenants and what are they do? Because obviously there are some legislation that are obliging us uh, to do it. But mm. at the same time, we also, as you can imagine, a lot of these people we're dealing with and a lot of these landlords we're dealing with, uh, some of them, obviously you have the institutional ones, but some of them are also private individuals, INET obviously worth private individuals, and they need to know what's going on in terms of efficiency on the energy side, um, taxes, property taxes, uh, the usage of the spaces. We tend to exchange as much information as possible and to make their life easy as a, as a, as a landlord, uh, whenever they need to uh, solve a practical issue, I don't know, they need to do a tax declaration at the end of the year, they wanna know all the invoices that they gave us and everything that we paid to them and this is information that is available. But at the same time, there are some companies that, or especially institutions, they wanna know how efficient our building are or not, and we share this type of information. The third layer of technology is uh, related to, and is for our employees. And obviously it's the, it's the machine that we use to deal obviously on the other side, on, on the internal side, with uh, everything related to the tenant, to the landlord, and to the, and to the real estate piece. So some example, imagine you need to schedule, uh, takes the month of September, okay? We had thousands of tenants coming in because finally the market shaped up again. And obviously we had to manage a lot of uh, check-ins, check-outs, cleanings, maintenance, uh, uh, interventions that we had to do because of, all, because of all of this movement. And we have a technology that has been built in-house that is allowing us to do all the scheduling, all the programming, and also the feedback collection uh, through, through, a, through, through a technology layer. It's a, it's a web app or an app that our employees can use to interact with the, with the again, tenant landlord or, or the house itself. I don't know if I answer to the whole question, but I guess I, I probably gave you a clear picture of what we do in terms of technology. Yes, uh, yes, you did. Um, and especially because, you know, I think like the hardest thing so far has been that uh, the technology that was out there was or more like, let's say, focused on the tenant side, right? It was, so it was community focused, but then it didn't help you with like, the whole property management. Or it was maybe focused on property management, but it didn't help you um, in communication with landlords, right? And, you know, you mentioned also like, I mean, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like this. Everything that you just showcase, or like you explain, could be like a one-hour demo if we would actually. Yeah, <laughs> even more insight, <laughs> right? Because I'm sure there's so many tiny features. So you mentioned something that's also around, um, you know, like sharing with landlords, uh, like about revenues uh, or like tenants. Maybe do you, you want to talk real quick about what is Dove Vivo's like business model? Yes. Um, yeah. So we have a, a, a big component of our business that is coming from uh, obviously rent to rent type of uh, uh, business in a sense that we take 
we rent properties from landlords. Uh, we let them refurbish them or we refurbish them ourselves. And then we sublet them to, uh, to our uh, members, okay? That's number one. The number two is a, is a mix. It's a rent to rent, but there's a variable component in it. And then the last piece is obviously, a, which is still marginal on our business, but it's a pure property management uh, system where basically uh, we take a, a piece of the revenue or, or the profit of the building or of the asset. And then the landlord is basically, uh, and we manage the asset for the landlord. And then the landlords needs to deal with uh, all the stuff that we generally deal with in our rent to rent model. Yeah. Yeah. And here is that on a revenue share agreement? It's revenue share agreement. It's revenue share predominant agreement. revenue share agreement. And where you probably like have the exclusive like ability to like rent it out. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exclusive to rent it out, to collect cash and, and to manage obviously all the facilities. Yes. Yes. So what are you, um, so let me ask you two questions right now. Let's look a bit into the future. What, what are your current a growth plans? And also what are your current challenges to reach that growth? Uh, current plan is obviously consolidating our position in the markets we already are, which are Italy, Spain, and France, uh, launching yeah. uh, ideally UK and Germany within the next two years and growing there at the same, uh, at the same path. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's more or less the plan. And at the same time, obviously diversifying uh, the audience and the product we want to launch because obviously we want to go more into obviously buildings, but also we want to try uh, like other operators in the U.S. are doing, we want to try more to get into the uh, into also PRS or multifamily type of uh, uh, of, uh, of business because that's where we see that we can add value uh, on the renting side. In terms of challenges, I would say to me, like every experience I've had in my life, it's um, especially when it comes to those type of uh, uh, industries. Obviously, in our case, it's finding the right supply. You know, build, the right building doesn't grow on a tree and mm. having a, an acquisition team that is fully focused on finding the best assets, it's, 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 it's not something we're struggling at, but obviously it's a huge, huge challenge across Europe. And the second piece is, uh, is talent. Uh, this is a relatively young industry uh, and you really need to be selective and careful on the people you are bringing on board because you can, you can, you know, you can get talent from, from real estate, from technology, from basically a lot of industries. But there's, it's not easy, obviously, to find uh, the right people, and it's not easy to that. Some, it's not easy to you know to get the people that even if they are coming from a really strong background, are really easy then to adapt to something that sounds similar but can be uh, really completely different. I'll make you a practical example. You know, a lot of companies in our industry or our industry related to ours uh, are generally hiring people from real estate because we think that, okay, you know the assets, you know how to deal, you know how to negotiate, you know how to do numbers, but then, you know, hiring those people and bringing them on board from a really traditional environment to a company that is growing like crazy and is really changing an industry, it's not easy. You know, you need to do a lot of coaching, you need to do a lot of training. Mm. And sometimes the experience on, the, on one specific piece of the business doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that person is going to be successful. So those are the two biggest challenges, I would say. Yeah, yeah. When I saw, I mean, like when my personally like focus point was more like user experience and co-living. But one thing I know is, for example, a big, big issue is calling spaces, trying to recruit great community managers. Yes. Um, you know, and like, because it's such a complicated profile, like you can find somebody from the hospitality, but then maybe it's going to be a bit too dry. You can find somebody more from like, that's more for like an emotional person loves to connect, but then you miss the operational part, right? And then they, they, they burn out quickly. So how do you, 
how do you find that you know the, the right profile for these posts is very complicated yeah correct i agree 100 <laughs> and so i mean you're also like uh we, we didn't talk about you right but like you i would love to talk about you a bit too like you you're you know head of operations or coo at dove vivo Yes. Uh, which means that you have your nose probably into a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's, what's been, um, what's been kind of your journey in the last couple of years? Like what have you learned? What were like the main changes you implemented? I've, I mean, just to give you a little bit of a background, I'm coming from a, an industry that from the outside, it's really similar to what we do because I'm coming from, uh, I have a, I, I've, I've been working for nearly four years at WeWork. So I'm coming from co-working. Mm. Yes. And, you know, when you see, when, when you compare and you see the two industries, you say, okay, well, it's pretty similar. You know, it's an asset that gets uh, optimized on the layout side and then subletted or rented to someone else. Well, what I discovered in the past two years that I was completely wrong. You know, it's completely different because when you're managing an office or when you're managing someone that is letting in offices is one thing. But when, when you are touching where people live, it's a completely different experience from the way you build, meaning that, I'll make you something that probably is not so cool. I'm going to tell something that's probably not so cool. But when you when you plan that you're building a building or an apartment, you forget to make or you don't plan enough bathrooms can be a potentially an issue when the tenant is coming in. And this is something that when you do uh, when you do co-working, obviously you respect uh, the law, but it's not the biggest issue that you can have uh, while, when you're um, when you're planning. So. Um, I would say that what I've learned is it's, it's a completely different industry. It's an industry that obviously came through a massive transformation due to the pandemic. I came into the industry in the exact moment when the pandemic came out. And obviously mm -hmm. the journey has been absolutely incredible. Also because, you know, we, need, we had to adapt and readapt ourselves in the past 18 months on every possible situation. And also we learn how important it is in those situations how people get connected to you and to themselves uh, within the within the premises. You know, uh, it's uh, it, we have we have had especially in Italy the past eighteen months we have been locked down for I don't know how many months and we discover how much especially in large buildings or in buildings how much people were connected to each other and mm. how much we had to make sure that we can we had to make sure that we could uh, get these people connected and obviously I think that's been the biggest learning uh, for me to not undervalue the, the, the personal relationship that your members can, can get, even if you don't intervene, if you, even if you don't stimulate them, if you don't arrange events for them, uh, it's, it's a natural flow that comes. Uh, and probably I think COVID has influenced that most, mostly and more than people used to think. Mm, yeah. Is, is there any... Um anything like specific or like a type of ritual or any type of the onboarding process or touch points that you added that made you realize like if a resident experiences this, for example, could be like a, a welcoming event or just like a, a welcoming message, then retention rate is X higher. What, what we have seen are two different things. First of all, uh, if, if you look at the model in the past, we, we had uh, kind of a, Uh, automation of the of the check-in process in a sense that uh, people book their check-in uh, someone from uh, from a third party was going to to the flat or to the building showing them around tell them how we were working and that's it what we have seen especially in the past few months is when whenever we take care also of that piece on the boarding side retention and complaints after the check-in 
really go down. And it's mm. amazing because we have took basically possession again of the end-to-end -end process, especially the last mile. And it's been an incredible experience, even for myself. In, in September and October, I did check-ins myself. Oh, yes. And the experience of having the tenant there, explaining them exactly who you are, the culture of the company, what they can do and what they can ask, instead of having something that can be potentially really you know, uh, unpersonal, it's been an incredible discover for me personally, but also for the rest of the team. That's amazing. I actually really want to highlight what you just said. Like, you know, some it it can make sense. You know, you can think, oh, from a business perspective, we can automate these check-ins, right? But actually, yeah. sometimes it does create something such as a personal connection to the operator, such as uh, just more happy tenant, right? Which in the end reduces friction, which in the end Correct. reduces cost of like human time, Correct. hence, you know, it's, a, it's an business investment. Yeah, correct. You know, when you're when you're running a company like us, obviously you need to optimize cost at the maximum if you want to become profitable, like we are. But uh, at some point, I think the, the, the human touch, even if you automate the check-in, you need to have an onboarding session. You need to tell people yes. uh, that you are existing as a and there's a there's there's people behind you. Obviously, maybe in the future you're not going to do this one to one, but maybe you can you can arrange onboarding classes for the tenants that are coming every beginning of the month, which is something that obviously we are planning to do. So you can still have an automation process in order to collect the key and get into the flat, but maybe you get them on board once a week or once a month and you show them around who you are, who your people are, and give a, a kind of a human touch to something that can definitely be automated. And it's been automated for the past few years from different industries. Yes, yes, 100%. And, and, and all of that, there's always a question, you know, are there certain things that we are not going to automate, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, but then I guess it's up to every operator to decide, you know? Yes. So, but I mean, yeah. for, for sure, the, the first connection obviously can physically be automated, but virtually there must be a human touch. I don't think we're, we're going to lose it uh, because it's, it's really, really, really important because that's how the people then get in love with your brand, with your product. And even if they want to criticize you, at least you've shown your face and you're not a machine or a AI tool or a chatbot behind the, behind the laptop, which is something that most of the industry has been doing for the past few years. Ah, I know. Yes. Yes. Okay. This is great. Um, this is great. Uh, let's um, quick, quick, uh, quick different topic. Uh, looking a bit like more broad into the future, um, you know, are there any trends that you are currently seeing that maybe is not being talked about a lot or that you kind of want to share with the audience around what do you think the future of co-living will be or even of the co-living industry in Europe? I think what, it, what is, uh, I'm going to say probably, I'm going to make probably a bold statement, but probably in the future it's not going to be called co-living anymore. It's, it's all going to be about mm. smart living, right? Because what, what we have seen in our business, which is getting young people, uh, in a in a shared flat or a shared building or whatever student house uh, or whatever you know kind of shared or co type of stuff, uh, I think we have learned not only us but the industry has learned so much that can be also applied to traditional living. So if you look at the trends of the market, uh, forgetting about Southern Europe for a second, but ownership in terms of buying houses is becoming something that the current young professional, which are going to be the couple of the future and the families of the future are not going to, potentially not going to buy a flat until they're going to get to their 50 or to close to their retirement because it's becoming extremely expensive in all the major cities in Europe. But at the same time, they don't want to lose 
to live in a cool place with the, all the possible technology to all the possible technology interaction to manage their house. And I think that solutions like the one as an industry have been building for young professionals and students can be easily being applied to other type of, uh, of profiles. And that's where I see the industry going. So maybe it's not gonna be more anymore about core, it's probably gonna be about being smart or inspiring living. Obviously there's not a definition that we can create or I wanna create, but that's what I see is gonna be the biggest trend in the next 10 years easily. Okay, well, then I'm looking forward to see what you're <laughs> going to build. Um, you know, seems like on the smart and tech side, uh, you already built quite a few uh, foundations. <laughs> so uh, let's see which foundations you're going to build in the next like uh, 10 years there too. Yeah. Mm. Is, there, is there maybe anything else that you'd like to share? Um, any other highlights, uh, any topic, any thoughts uh, that you want to run through? Uh, I, I think... Um... I really hope that the industry, which is coming from a really two tough years, is going to recover like it's showing now, because I guess at least on a European level, I see, I see the industry recovering and getting to unprecedented probably occupancy rates and even pricing rates, which is something that makes us happy. But I really hope that as an industry, we're going to still keep working like we are. And also like we work also thanks to you guys during the pandemic in terms of cooperation and building the standards and, and, and also work with the governments, work with the authorities, because this industry can grow only if uh, somehow we, we don't see each other only as, as competition, but also as people that are collaborating to change the living industry uh, for mm -hmm. the future and forever, I would say. Hell yes. Uh, thanks for saying this, you know, and, and we at Colif, you know, like we really, I mean, we've, we've known each other now for like more than like a year and Dobby Vivo, you, you guys joined us as a core partner to support Colif and to support this entire Colifing movement. So we're, you know, super grateful and really aligned with you. So I think it's, you know, what you're saying about <clears throat> really cooperating in the industry and building out together. You know, I think it's, I really align that it's a, it's a big call to action to invite others to do the same. Yeah. Hell yes. Well, Julio, thank you. Thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing how, uh, what help do you need and, uh, and how can people follow you and follow the review? Uh, obviously we have, uh, uh, you can follow us on all the social medias like Instagram and, uh, and Facebook and TikTok and obviously also LinkedIn. And regarding myself, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a profile, which is my name and last name, pretty simple. And yes. I'm on Instagram, but I'm not a, a huge and big user of social media, to be honest. So <laughs> if you want to follow me, probably LinkedIn is the best uh, place to find me. In terms of apps, I get, again, the sharing concept to me, it's the most important thing. So whoever wants to share experience or do business with us, we are really open to listen to anyone. Hell yes. Hell yes. And mention one last time again, in which country you're currently active and, and where you want to grow? We are currently in uh, Italy, Spain, and France, and planning to go into the UK and Germany in, in the next two years. That's amazing. Knowing that this podcast is being recorded in October 2021. So uh, UK and Germany around 23, I guess? 22, 23, depending 22, on 23. how some things are going to move around. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, Thanks, Scott. We appreciate it. If anyone has any comments to Julio, feel free to reach out on his personal LinkedIn. Uh, or to just uh, drop a comment in the chat if there's one wherever you're listening to this. And we wish you an amazing day. Thanks again for joining us today. And from all of us here at CoLive, we hope you learned a lot. 
and maybe even picked up a few pieces of wisdom to help expand the co-living movement. To check out the CoLive membership that will allow you to connect with other leading co-living professionals, or even just to stay updated on future podcasts and upcoming events, head over to CoLive.org. Again, that's co-liv.org. And that's a wrap, team. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode.